2: They're going to hunt you down, and they're going to kill you, and they'll kill you in front of her. You want to help her, you leave her the hell behind, and you come with me.
1: You want to fight them? You fight them from Canada. You don't own me, I'm not your property, so take a shifty little bitty eye over me. Everyone who loves you is there.
0: Welcome to Eyes on Gilead, our weekly podcast dedicated to The Handmaid's Tale, there is a lot going on in this show, and we think it helps to talk it out after every episode. I'm Fiona Williams, and I manage our online coverage of movies and TV here at SBS, and I'm joined by my colleagues and fellow resistors, Natalie Hambly, Managing Editor of SBS Voices. Hello. Sana Kadar, host of All in the Mind for ABC Radio National. Hi. And Haiti Island, Channel Manager of SBS On Demand. Hi. Hello. Wow, what a video this week Um, We have just watched episode 6 of season 4 of The Handmaid's Tale And it is called Vows It's written by Dorothy Fortenbury and directed by Richard Shepard After a shocking reunion with a dear friend Lyra, hi June contemplates the possibility of freedom.
3: I have to go back.
0: Are you fucking insane? And confronts the unfulfilled promises she made to herself.
3: It is my job to
0: protect her. And to Luke.
1: I'm sorry I don't have her.
0: And I'm already starting to cry when I read that bit out. (laughs) Um, (laughs) What an episode. How is it that we've got what we've been waiting for for four and a half years, but it's
2: one of the saddest things I've ever seen. Yeah, it's wrenching. I <laughs> cried throughout. I cried so yeah. much in this episode, the most I've cried all season. And I, I don't know. I, I'm sure I've cried lots in previous seasons. I can't properly remember. But this was such a good episode in terms mm. of what happens in the end. But yeah, you're right. I cried so much; it was so affecting. And I'm. I think you can sort of hear it in our voices too today. <laughs> like we all are a bit.
3: We're happy for June, but if we're. You so You guys fat. cry now. I'm gonna cry now. <laughs> so we cannot cry. Okay, you guys. <laughs> I'm already a little bit teary too. You rule. Don't worry, Fiona. There is no crying in podcasting. I know.
0: Yeah, okay. Just reading the synopsis, let alone talking about it. anywho.
2: Um, what stood out? <laughs> is, it, is, is anyone able to pick out a, a moment? or? For me, I think it was more as sheer desperation. Mm. Watching her throughout this episode just killed me. Like the absolute desperation in her trying to get, you know, June to come along with her. Like those scenes... I can barely string a sentence together about it. But I think that to Mm. me was the most affecting thing to watch,
3: Moira. Yeah. Well, yeah, it really is a Moira episode, isn't it? Yeah, on my list, I just had all things Moira. And look, not much made me laugh in this episode, I have to say. But um, there was one moment when Moira was desperately trying to get June to go to the boat. And she's like, June, June. boat, Boat. now. Now, no. And I'm like, is June a toddler now? <laughs> I'm like, I feel like I recognise that tone of voice.
1: <laughs> oh, my God, Nat. I had that exact same reaction in that scene. I think I was watching it with my husband and we both kind of turned to each other and just went like, oh, my God, this is like getting our four-year-old to do
0: something. <laughs> <laughs> I actually thought it's almost like getting, trying to get a drunk friend into a taxi or something. Yeah, <laughs> like, like, should I just like, managing the situation? Yeah. yeah. Either or. <laughs> kind of the same skills at play. Um, so, Haiti, that was yours too? Uh,
1: no, I'm going to say it was the, mm. the touchdown at the end. Yeah. It, was, it was June landing on Canadian ground and just everything that goes with that. It was just a moment of relief and, you know, despair at the same
0: time. <laughs> yeah, all of that. Mine... Moira, I think in the truck. Just the.
3: I <laughs> came back to help you, when I fucking found you. It's that safe, it. Moira. You should be here. I, I found you, found and when
0: you. she kept repeating that voice. I yeah.
3: Found you. You're so
0: crazy. And, and just the way Moira—I don't want to get into bigger themes of the episode—but the way Moira is to June now, as June has been to everyone else, and like especially to Janine in, in the last couple of episodes. But yeah, just the way that they sync up is beautiful. And the Luke and June on the step, but we'll get to that. <laughs> um, yeah. Pretty raw. Pretty raw, this one. Anywho, let's get into it.
3: Previously, Outstanding
0: recap material. at the top of the episode, by the way, as well. Just that, you know, how it sort of goes across the whole series. These recaps, that was just a little it short was, Yeah, film. and it was
2: like a long one. It was nearly <laughs> five minutes. And this episode was only about 35 minutes, which, my God, they packed a lot in into a very short amount of time
0: yeah but also it slowed it down a little bit as well so it, you know like everything else has been running across the war zones and whatnot but we're stuck on a ship <laughs> like mm-hmm. you know bottle episode like they say we're kind of we're on we're on this it kind of slowed down the pace mm. we've been going this episode but also you know we've got a pretty significant place at the end yeah but it opens in a flashback on a rainy day with june at the window happily having a shut-in mimosa day with a bestie, Moira. Um, she's in love with Luke but ignoring his calls because there's a bit of tension there with, with Moira as we get to. But um, that was a beautiful way to open a Moira June moment as we cut to present day for them June Moira moment.
2: I actually didn't realise immediately that it was a flashback. I was kind of confused. I was like, "Are we? have we jumped ahead in time? What's happening? And my first realisation it was a flashback yeah. was when June whipped out her flip phone. And I was like, oh, this is very much 2007, 2006, something <laughs> like that when I last had a flip phone. Um, but yeah, I was, I was confused at the start.
0: Yeah, I think intentionally because it's sort of like, wow, we've, <laughs> we've really skipped ahead here. She's happily making mimosas. <laughs> yeah, that was a little disorienting. Yeah, that, of course, then heralds the present where we exactly where we left off last episode in the foggy groggy you know moments of the explosion June's got a head injury doesn't quite recognize what's going on at the moment and here's where she's like Janine was you know in the immediate aftermath of the um, Alma and Brianna massacre just wants to find them wants to find them but um that scene is it did that immediate moment play out the way we thought it might have last episode we don't know where Janine is
3: Yeah, I really thought we would find out about Janine in this episode. And, you know, because I like to torture myself, I actually went back and watched the last five minutes of episode five multiple times. Same. (laughs) Oh, wow. You know those moments where June's coming out of the rubble and Moira finds her and the music plays um, and I pretty much cried every single time. So why did I do that to myself? Um, But look, I was trying (laughs) to find Janine in the background and I thought, you know, could she actually have managed to have been pulled out of that? But I did not see Janine. A lot of people on Twitter have said they, they think they saw Janine in the background. Mm. So I went back again and watched it and look, I still <laughs> couldn't see Janine. Mm. And so after you have this amazing ending, where is it going to begin the next episode? Mm. And of course, like, I can never tell. Like, I never <laughs> know where it's going to start. But of course, you know, they started it exactly where it left off, mm. which I think is um, where it needed to be. Um And I think the thing that I like about this episode overall is that the show just took a breath, you know, Um, and I think that you can see that, like, they could very easily have just skipped time. It could have – It could have um, started with June being in Canada, but instead I like that they sort of slowed things down and it was while June was sort of in this void space. So she's not quite in Gilead and she's not yet in Canada Yeah, and she's sort of in this in-between and it was sort of like they were stretching time out. And you really get like all of those emotional moments where you can just see that she's finally processing so many things. And I really love moments like that. Like I love when TV allows for moments like that. Um, But I will say that I did make a massive mistake in this episode because I wanted the experience that everyone else has. And because I normally watch this show in the daytime and I thought, you know what, I've got a free evening. I've just had a couple of drinks. I think this oh, is no. the perfect yeah. time to watch The Handmaid's Tale. Yeah. You don't need to get emotional on this um, one. <laughs> and oh, my God. Um, my defences were down on this oh one. God. And I cried all the way through and um, ended up with a throbbing headache. <laughs> oh, um, no! <nah>, terrible idea. <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm with you. I did the exact same thing. I had a glass of red and I had a pile of snotty <laughs> tissues right at the end of it and my eyes are still quite puffy. But
1: um, <laughs> Anyway. I do agree, so, Nat that this whole episode was like this come down for June and there was even this line towards the end where Moira said we're not waiting for a superhero waiting for a person yep. and i thought of you because yep. you yeah. you made that hulk yep. association last episode i'm like you you were right they were totally doing that and june mm-hmm. the hulk can't exist in canada and and this kind of come down And emergence out of this just trauma-reactive state kind of had to happen across this episode. And it was this progression to June kind of returning to just being a normal person, just kind of full of weakness and desperation and regret and sadness and... I thought it was a really important episode too.
2: And Fiona, I think you were so right about, um, you know, how we're seeing Moira take on the role that June took on. And the first time she does that on the boat, or mm. I think the boat or the or the truck, she's holding June and says, I got you. I got you, right? And that's, that's when I, like, that was the first time yeah. I broke and then started crying in this episode. Because like, oh my God, how long have yep. we been waiting for someone to- you know take care of june in a way that's not a guy like uh, that's partly why this was actually so wonderful it wasn't nick and it wasn't luke it was her dearest oldest most wonderful girlfriend like that was such an amazing moment to see her in her
3: arms being taken care of well i have in caps in my notes um is the women save themselves (laughs) um And, of course, like, that's always been true in this show. And, you know, I also think that sort of contributes to why there is a bit of confusion about Nick, and I'm sorry to bring him back up in this episode. Um, But, look, one of the reasons why I think that there is sort of confusion about the role of men and the men who are trying to save her and are they trying to save her or are they actually evil, part of me thinks that um, what's sort of adding to that is that this is a show where the women do save themselves. So... The men aren't really there to, um, do the saving, which I think is what we're used to seeing men do on TV. And so a character like Nick, I think because of that, you know, um, maybe the writers are a little bit hamstrung by that in some way with his character. And I think that could be why he's always a little bit of a mystery to us. Um, but this really is a show about women saving each other. And, you know, Moira got to have that moment and. She got to have the episode where she really saved the day. And you know what? Like, I just hope that everyone gets a friend that will come and find them in a war zone. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right. Everyone needs
0: a Moira. And also, you know, we've kind of been a bit frustrated along the way with Moira as well, you know, the the way that we don't see more of her and she only comes in really to help, well, I don't want to, I don't mean to nod to the song last time, but fix, you know, like (laughs) fix situations. But here, that's absolutely what she's doing tonight, but the... Journey she has as well in the flashbacks. You know, she's she doesn't like Luke at the start, she doesn't trust him, she doesn't have faith. But then we end up at the end, she's telling June to have faith in him. Like, she, you know, everyone's been on been through hell, none more so than Moira and June. Well, and the other handmaids and everyone else in Gilead, but she goes somewhere as well. on her relationship as well, mm. we see the line. That's crossed there as well. Yeah, Moira gets some
2: moments in this too. She's not just to the aid of June. On having faith in Luke, can I talk about one thing that annoyed me in this episode? And I wonder if it was yeah. like kind of intentional. The whole time June throughout is sort of pining for, you know, in the flashbacks and in presence, pining for Luke's affection and approval. So in the flashbacks, she's talking to him about, you know, what if I disappoint you? What if I turn out to not be the person I am? Um, and he's, you know, reassuring her, but like, what about the other way around? And then when she's, you know, on the boat with, more uh, talking about i know what he can handle and he'll never forgive me what about him like he's gotten to canada without hannah like can you forgive him so this whole time she's playing out you know mm. seeing herself as having failed and thinking luke is going to be so disappointed in her and i was like what about the other way around like why you, is all this internalized into you i was really annoyed at like where's luke's responsibility in this
0: <laughs> yeah but that that's lydia that's lydia in a head it's your fault it's your fault like moira says you know the that's the Gilead way of yeah. thinking, like the fact that she feels she's failed. The first words to him are, I'm does sorry. Does occur to her that it could be the other way around? Yeah, I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> not yet. Yeah, yeah, like she's still in Gilead waters when she's going through all that. But, yeah, I think that just shows what, this, what that place does and what constantly being going on the Lydia guilt trip and everyone in Gilead guilt mm. trip does It to also you.
3: feels a little bit kind of, I hate to say it, but it feels a little bit like real life as well. Like um, I sort of had this in my own life last year, which was when lockdown happened and we had to homeschool our son. And so I would spend a day doing it. And by the end I was like, I've just done the worst job. I am so bad at this. And then the next day my partner would homeschool our son and he's like, oh, he just learned so much from me. <laughs> um And I was like, How are we having, like, two such different experiences? And I think it just sort of, like, says a lot about the guilt that mothers carry. Like, it's insane. Mm. Yeah, look – that was annoying me as well, Um, especially the flashbacks in Canada when she was wanting to be good enough for Luke. But like in the end, the thing that sort of killed me about that was that you could actually sort of see where Gilead came from, like, you know, from this fear of not being able to have babies and wanting to have babies was just so important to women. And it was so important to June. And she's so excited when she finds out that she's pregnant. And of course, she doesn't realize that this ability that she now realises mm. that she has, this is kind of what's going to destroy her future. Mm. Like, this thing that she wants so badly is actually what's going to set her up as a handmaid in Gilead. So, you know, like, this show was like a hard
2: watch on many levels. We also go from the scene where June and Moira are arguing about leaving Hannah to that flashback hey, where June bad. um tells Luke that she's pregnant. Like, that, that juxtaposition just, oh, absolutely killed me as well in the flashback. Hey, that was... Hard.
3: Well, yeah. Uh, yeah, that. Um, hey, I'm a baby. Um, sorry, I'm going <laughs> to cry. Someone else want to talk? And speaking of that <laughs> conversation that she was having about Luke, this time when she was chatting with Moira. Look, I feel kind of bad that, like, I wrote this line down because I liked it so much. But, you know, it's okay to have a little bit of joy, you know. Like, God damn it, we deserve some happiness. Um, and there was a line that June said, um, which was something like, she just wants to find a good, kind man who has nice shoulders. <laughs> and I'm like, same.
0: Fair. <laughs> Me
1: too. <Yeah. laughs> Don't ask for much.
0: <laughs> um... We, we've gotten a little ahead. Let, let's um, wind it back to uh, the start of the episode, In the Chaos of the Leaving. One thing, I guess, actually, with Moira and June and the focus on the choices and a couple of episodes ago, you know, when Luke was really anguished over June's choice to stay, I, I love the kind of just the visuals of it's all very directional and navigational in this episode. Like when that overhead shot mm. when Moira and June are still at where the explosion happened, about to get on the truck. Like, it goes overhead and you see mm. there's no sideways paths. Mm. It's literally this way or that way. <laughs> we go. And then they're kind of blocked in later on with the storage containers and it's just kind of like you, you have one choice here or there. Go okay. or stay. And
3: it's that way. I
0: okay. uh, quite like that. But then... So we get to this um, medical city or tent city kind of thing with Una, and that, yeah, that seemed quite... Uh, Drawn from real <laughs> news footage almost, didn't it? Just the chaos and the desperation.
2: The and you don't wanting. see Americans in that kind of state, do you? Like that's part of what makes the show so incredible. It casts Americans in this slight of, you know, wanting to get out and flee. And like that's happening on mm. the southern border in the States, you know, that level of desperation, people trying to get into America. But seeing seeing mm. people so desperate to get out was, yeah, it's just an image you don't ever see.
3: Yeah, look, the the words I had written down here were like the same that you just said. Um, I'd written the pain, the desperation, the misery. And gosh, it's just like one of those things. It's just so hard to look at, isn't it? Like, I think it is one of those things where I think we should look at it more. But at the same time, I was also relieved when the show moved away. Like, how much yes. can I cry in this episode? Yeah,
0: yeah. And Una here, we haven't really met her much, just like the the two scenes, very small ones she's had with Moira, just to speak to their relationship. But um, there's more to Una. She kind of hints that she had to leave someone in Gilead and I guess didn't work out quite the same as Moira and June. Yeah, it was really hard watching Una's character this episode because I could
1: empathise with everything she was saying and doing but completely disagreeing with it at the same time. I think she makes (laughs) a reference to, you know, she's seasoned in this and she's had experiences in Aleppo and she's been doing it for years and so she's really just pragmatic about it all even though it's all difficult. But, you know, watching her tell Moira that, she needs to leave June and just go and just to suck it up it was really difficult.
0: Yeah. And then later on the boat, when she says the hardest part is when you're the one with power. Mm. <laughs> I wrote, nope. <laughs> I like
3: would said it's the hardest part, like difficult for sure. But yeah, mm. don't tell Moira that that's the hardest <laughs> part. Okay. Yeah, that was a weird line, wasn't it? Like I thought like to me, that was sort of something that You could imagine Fred saying to Serena after she had her finger cut off. Like, you can just imagine him saying, well, you know, that was actually harder for me. Like, (laughs) what was that line that she said? Yeah, and Moira's
0: expression then was like, "Uh uh-huh, so you kind of um – built the end of their relationship mutually. One thing
2: I think with that scene in particular in this episode, I think the show is trying to give a commentary on the politics of aid. Um, And I don't know enough about that space to really totally understand what it is they're trying to say. But I I think partly it's, you know, how often it is band aid solutions. There's only so much you can come in and and do. You can't actually change the situation. You can't get those people out. Um, And Una, at one point, says, you know, this is humanitarianism. It's about people, not one person. And that's interesting. It's true, I guess. Um, But in the communication of humanitarian efforts, like in the PR kind of stuff, it often you have to have it be about one person, right, for that um, issue to cut through. And I think we've had this conversation previously. It has to be about one story, one person, because no one can connect to the masses. So I thought there's a whole exploration going on here. Mm -hmm. A lot of the subtext, which I think might be going over my head, and if anyone on Twitter is in the aid sector, maybe they can fill us in. But um, yeah, that's what I took
3: from that. And of course, like this show is all about the hard choices and the impossible choices and when the world is shitty enough, like, what actually is the right choice? Like, there's no good one. Like, you're choosing from, like, this bad one or that bad one. And, you know, I think we've all been judging June a lot, you know, the choices that she has made, Um, and I've been feeling a little bit bad about that, like, especially after the last episode when I said how we always blame women. (laughs) And then I thought, oh, how much have, like, the fans, myself included, have been blaming June for all the decisions she's made you know but like in terms of this episode and and in terms of making decisions I think the person who I sort of like the most uncomfortable about was thinking did Moira do the right thing Um, and I think that's sort of the decision that we're sort of left with going should she have risked all of that to save June look I love June we all love June Um, we've all been on her journey, and we want her to get out of Gilead. But this sort of is sort of going back to a previous point, sort of about the point of the book, and about how she's just one woman, you know, like June is just one woman. And there were so many women who got turned into handmaids who lost their children. And so, there's this uncomfortable question. And so, we're sort of left Grappling with them and sort of like wondering what they should have done, and of course, in this instance, what should Moira have done? And I also kind of don't want to answer that. I mean, I understand
2: what Moira did when you mm-hmm. have that personal connection to someone there, like as if you're not going to try to get your best friend out. Yes, that affects a whole lot of people, but I, I feel like I understand. Where Moira was coming from. I also understand where Uno was coming from. There is a job to help many more people than this one person. But yeah, it's about yeah. the choices and they're very hard <laughs> to make.
0: hundred percent. And that, that all comes out on the boat scene where, you know, <laughs> Moira has to fess up because, oh, there's going to be a checkpoint and they're, they're going to search the boat. So shit, she didn't think that one through. <laughs> yeah. Whoopsie. But then, the jig is up, so that she has to fess up. And that conversation on the boat, real quick, the fellas are the ones that want to dover in straight away. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks guys. Um, but good points all round, really. You know, like it could put the entire aid mission in jeopardy, you know, probably will when they're harbouring a fugitive. Yeah. Really tricky things being discussed there. And June, of course, says, you know, my life's not worth any more than anyone else's just turn me in (laughs) but you know the focus is entirely on Moira and June this episode we get that flashback where June's packing up to move in with Luke and the couch I look to you Haiti the color of the couch was (laughs) (laughs) a big old maroon couch that, (laughs) that that Luke hates yeah but here's where we you know we get that hint of Moira's well you know she's really shitty in that scene she thinks June's doing the wrong thing and she isn't afraid to tell us so. One
2: thing that was yeah. really funny in that scene, I thought when June and Moira are arguing about Luke, June says, you know, we're nothing like his previous relationship. We, we never fight. fight. And the way she sort of says that line, we never fight, like it kind of feels like she was registering the stupidity of what she was saying on her face as she was saying it. Cause it's like, what a stupid thing to say truly, because you might not fight now, but you stick around long enough with someone you will. And as if you don't fight, like that's no one has that kind of a perfect relationship. So I just thought that was funny how she acted that line out. Yeah. I was like, you don't believe that. You know, that's crap. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. I also loved on the scene with the step where she has a bravado about the stolen cocktail shaker that it's was a, a great, great line reading as well oh when gosh, it was she was really defensive right. but <laughs> yes. I stole. didn't really want to go into the details I like the way she played and that.
3: look sort of like what got me later about this episode when I was sort of processing it I was kind of kicking myself because I'd been wondering what this episode was going to be about and you know of course if she's finally leaving Gilead and she's going to go to Canada. Of course this is going to be the episode where she reckons with leaving Hannah behind. Like it's going to be a Hannah episode. And of course it's going to be so hard to watch. The Hannah episodes have always been the hard ones for me. But you know like it's interesting like that low point that she had in the torture episode. Um, And you could really understand why she had said to Lydia um, that she basically just wanted to die. But I felt a little bit different about it this time because like my reading last time was that she thought of herself as a danger to Hannah. And Fiona, your point was that she was just feeling so low. But this time, what you can see is that she's going to have to face all of this guilt that she has been carrying. Like she's been blaming herself for what happened to Hannah. And I know that I had said that she's sort of like um been fueled by rage, caused by injustice, and that's sort of what's been propelling her along and keeping her somewhat sane and alive. Um but also within that was this determination to save her daughter. And now she's sort of really gotta reckon with the fact that she hasn't. Um and now she is getting out and Hannah isn't. And I think like having to face that is huge. I'm sorry. If I don't go back now, she is gone forever. Hannah is gone forever. And then, you know, like, I was pretty annoyed when, like, Moira went to go find June. And, of course, June's not in her room because why would June ever be in her room? And I'm like, what is she doing? (laughs) um and right um <laughs> and then born. Moira finds her and i and June is trying to unstrap a boat and I'm like oh, for fuck's sake but you know I get it I understand <laughs> yeah
2: and then when Moira said to finally cut through to her to, you know she said they're gonna kill you in front of her yeah like that's when I thought oh my god of course that's probably what they would do to really end it and be really
3: awful that's a brutal line and it's brutal Mm. and it's awful because it's true when she says that like they are going to kill you like they are going to capture you they will hunt you down they will kill you and they will kill you in front of Hannah and it's just so awful and it's awful because it's like they would like that's actually a hundred percent
1: exactly what Gilead would do. It was also the moment when Moira said I'm just going to come with you. Like, if you're going to go, then I'm going to come with you and I'll die too, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and as soon as she inserted herself into this scenario June was concocting, kind of it almost helps June snap out of it a little bit as well. Yeah. realise other people are impacted, not just her.
2: I did think, like, that's where the episode was going to go in that moment. I was like, oh, so they don't get out and Morris stays and this is what the hell is happening. <laughs> I totally bought it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Can you imagine? Oh, oh my God. God. Imagine Because the of, June's never
2: gotten out before. How many times have we seen her attempt to get out and then completely, you know, that, that plane ride that got off the ground but then crashed back down? Like, there's been so many times that I, I just wasn't quite ready to believe that this was going to be the moment.
0: But it was. <laughs> <laughs> you, we used to all the false starts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and on the boat, um, I just, did you catch the name when it was docking with, um... With Luke, it's Yellowknife, and I just looked that up, and it's an actual Canadian um, government coastal vessel that's in commission at the moment. But it's interesting that in, you know, in Gilead, contemporary times, it's a it's an aid ship for an NGO going across to what was it? good because
2: I was trying to figure out what that said because I stopped, I paused the show and, and tried to look back, but I couldn't figure it out. Um, but I didn't realize it was Yellowknife, which is also mm. a town, a city in the Northwest Territories in Canada. There you go. And,
0: and speaking of the boat, the inspection does happen. Um, yeah, the, the Gilead Sea Guardians, whatever, ju- um, join the boat. Are they Gilead to- or are they
2: American? Because they were in disputed territory, so I wasn't sure what they were, but I, I guess they are gilead that makes a bit more i sense. just assumed they were gilead yeah right well they definitely kept their mm. tradition of being extremely scary at customs and border protection <laughs> so that's not gone anywhere <laughs> <laughs> exactly
0: same yeah, the world exactly. over <laughs> um yeah i think i definitely think they were gilead because that was the whole threat and it had the power of you know she was asked her name by a man in gilead like she actually <laughs> actually good spot yeah <laughs> and had to give a fake one they chose rachel which Rachel Smith, you know, Rachel has biblical connotations, mm. of course, um, and in Gilead it does too with the Rachel and Leah Centre, but, yeah, Rachel Smith. <laughs> <laughs> there was a moment she wasn't real committed to going along with the story. <laughs> I wonder what she would have said had Moira not Thank God for in. Moira. She saved the day again. I kind of thought
1: she was just being a little bit concussed and, and forgetting momentarily.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's a generous <laughs> No, read. I thought she was contemplating... Because he says, what happened to you? And I was like, oh, my God, where do you begin? Well, to me, I felt like she was processing, how the hell do I answer that question? Yeah, how long have it? you got? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But on, on names, Moira says she was born in Toronto or born and bred in Toronto. But she says it properly. She says Toronto. And I have been out of Toronto long enough that I now sometimes say Toronto, which is really awful. But anyways, I was very happy to hear her pronouncing it as it should be. Toronto. No, no second T pronounced. <laughs> Important detail, especially if you're faking that you're from there. If you're from Toronto,
0: yeah, you want to know that they're pronouncing it right. Get your details right. Yeah. Um, so anyway, passes the test. Not entirely thanks to June. Not entirely mm-hmm. convincing. But yes, maybe it is concussion, but very generous there, and Heidi. Th- and thanks to a guardian who's kind of over it and ready to go. <laughs> yeah, 100%. He's cold out in the water, wants to go home. And then Una...
3: That is the immortal line. Let's get the hell well, out Well, we should of here. say that um, I think we sort of skipped Una's part where she finally came to the party, you know, like um, she had sort of been doing a bit of both sides the whole time, you know, and putting the call out so everyone else can make the decision and, um, and she was very anti-June being on that boat the whole time and Moira just couldn't not understand her point of view in some ways. And then push finally comes to shove. She finally realizes that if she doesn't actually try and protect June, she is sending her to her death. Like that is exactly what would happen. Like the scenario where she's such a precious handmaid and they really need her fertility, she was not mm. ever gonna go back to be a handmaid again, I think, if she was actually captured again. What yeah, what Moira said about you would you would be killed in front of Hannah, I think was true. And so to Una's credit, you know, she finally she finally realized that it was really on her and she had the power to save this woman and um thank god, thank god she did. Thank God they tried to see I I'm not very religious. I I wasn't quite sure about what the name Rachel meant, but I did roll my eyes at Smith. I just thought, "Really?" <laughs> <laughs> but it worked. So okay. Um yeah. yeah. Anyway,
2: but on Una's decision, like it was versions of the trolley dilemma throughout again, wasn't it? Like She definitely, she made that decision in the end, but it's definitely come at the cost of Sarah, which is the name of the aid organization she runs. Because she says to Moira at one point, you know, there's not going to be an office anymore. There's no Mm. way once they realize June is smuggled aboard that um, this mission is going to be able to continue. Mm. And really, she acts like she's been manipulated
1: and pushed into this by Moira. You know, as soon as she makes that decision to save June, she is so upset about it and blaming Moira and regretting it almost. It, like it's a, a reluctant decision that she has made. She wants to be a neutral actor, but sometimes mm. you can't be. goes back to that comment she makes tomorrow about, you know, having power is difficult, you know, it's a difficult position to be in. And she's grappling with that herself over this episode and, you know, not necessarily in the best way.
0: Hmm. But then, it was, I mean, no, the belated decision, it was like, you, you can print a name tag? Yeah. You do have a name? Yes. Like, that is an option? You did not And And like, didn't
2: they check the boats on the way in so they know how many people are on board and now they're going to be like, I mean, yeah, th- again, some liberties here. But yeah, there's a couple of holes there.
0: <laughs> yeah, but anyway, thanks for coming to the party, belatedly, Una. <laughs> um, but uh, that, you know, we mentioned that scene with Moira um, where she immediately regrets it and mentions the office no longer being there. That's when we see that, They've crossed the line, the the line that June says to Luke on that great scene on the stairs about um, everyone has a line. Yeah, something that's unforgivable.
3: What if I'm not who you think I am?
0: And so for Una, that's smuggling a fugitive on an aid mission. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, For June, back in the flashback, it's the fear that he won't stay because she may not be able to have children that scene was very raw (laughs) too raw in a lot of ways um that i cried it the one on the
2: stairs (laughs) once again though i was thinking like what about his ability to have children like why are we not even entertaining that this could go both ways why is it all on june and her potential inability because he's you know with his first (laughs) wife he couldn't have kids they couldn't have kids (laughs) anyways yeah
0: yeah it's a friend serena kind of flip isn't it yeah but the way that that scene's written was absolutely beautiful. I can I relate in two real ways. The way, you know, she's professing her fears. I like all her stuff is out on the <laughs> on the stairs, like it's literally here. I am. Here's the jug I stole from Moira and my plants and my stools. All and everything. my literal baggage. A hundred percent. And um, yeah. It's like, what if I'm not the person oh, you, you thought I am, and what if I can't in? do things that I'm? It's assumed I can. Like, yeah.
3: I don't know if we're gonna be able to have kids, but. Either way, we're going to be okay.
0: Too much. (laughs) But that, of course, in that moment, she was talking about the fear that she can't have a child and it looms large later on because, of course, the fear that she can't bring that child back. um, It's just beautiful. Yeah, it was
1: wonderful watching the start of their relationship in that scene, in a sense, and how kind of naive and vulnerable it was in contrast to the reunion at the end where there's just so much, so much baggage there. And I couldn't help but wonder if the lines they were saying to each other on the steps were were somehow meant to be foreshadowing what's yet to come of their reunion, especially that line that June says about there being, is there a line? Everyone has a line, something that is unforgivable. And I, you know, I'm I'm wondering if that's going to come up again, if that line has, if if they're going to find out that line has been crossed somehow, or if they're if they're going to be able to work through that
0: reunion in the coming episodes. Mm. Well, you know, having lost the daughter that she feared she wasn't wouldn't be able to have, but also having another daughter with someone else she's fallen for, we know that that's all happened. Um, but he does care for that child now. So, yeah, Ooh, a lot of baggage yeah. between when they first moved in. Um, and I love that she says, I'm never moving again. It's like, oh, you're on the move. You're <laughs> always on the move, June. <laughs> Poor June. Yes, you are. <laughs> Yeah. I'm
1: I'm going to like make a call that that means that her and Luke are going to work it out cuz I feel like I feel like I've quietly been on team Luke this whole time while
3: there's been a few team yeah. luke's around here. No. No, sorry. Like, I'm going to I'm going to buddy in as much like I actually love the Nick storyline and I know that some I know that some people don't but for God's sake, we need a bit of we need a bit of joy, you know. <laughs> um <laughs> But if it ever it came, it's not like Edward and Jacob, you know. <laughs> like, oh my god, this is not like a Twilight movie. But I've always in the background. It's always been like Luke has been waiting in Canada for her, you know. Like mm-hmm. that's that is her husband. That's a relationship that she is meant to be in, you know. So that's why I thought the kiss with Nick was the goodbye kiss, you know, because this is the this is the series where she um finally gets to go home. So um yeah, fingers fingers crossed that they do work this out because gosh once June starts talking about everything that's happened in Gilead that's a long conversation. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, like yeah. if she can start
1: talking. Yeah, the big question hanging over the hanging over this all is is has June changed like irreparably beyond reconciliation, you know, cuz so much has happened to her and but you know a lot has happened to Luke too even though he's been stuck in the one place far away. And I do think that the the Nick and June relationship has really just been driven by circumstance and, you know, sure there's there's passion there, but it's a relationship that can really
0: only exist in the perverse bubble of Gilead. (laughs) A hundred percent. Do you remember back, I guess it was season two, they just had Nicole and they they had a moment together in the Waterford house and I think I said at the time, this is so awkward, like they would never make it on the outside. (laughs) They're they're talking about going on an island or... Is it Fiji or Hawaii? I can't remember exactly where they referenced, but yeah, it was like they have heat in Gilead, of course. But yeah, I don't don't
2: see these kids making it on the outside. (laughs) (laughs) I'm the same as you, Nat. My same before. I kept thinking you were about to say Luke. I'm the same as you, Nat, essentially, because yes, I've been team Nick the whole time. Uh, I think that's partly a function of we see Nick the most, and he's the one glimmer Mm. of sort of love and kindness in June's life in Gilead. We don't see her with Luke, so we don't have that frisson. We don't have that anticipation. We don't have any of that. On the whole, like, yes, I think now that she's in Canada, I absolutely hope her and Luke are together and solid again
3: because that is the relationship that's <laughs> most likely to work here, TBH. The thing I think that's actually it's actually going to be, there's, there's this big elephant in the room when it comes to the relationship and that is Nicole. Nicole. And especially when you think about the book as well, which I'm hesitant to talk about. Um, okay. But, of course, if June is now in Canada... And I don't know what's going on politically between Gilead and Canada, but they're going to want June back and they're going to want Nicole back. Mm. So how much danger is Nicole in, you know? So now once, so now once June is back to Canada, I assume she's finally going to um, get to be a mother to her daughter. And then she's going to be facing a whole other host of questions of like, how do I keep Nicole safe? How do I keep her away from Gilead? And that's Mm -hmm. probably the bomb that's going to be thrown in the, into the middle of their relationship.
2: And also, yeah. you, you know, through Nicole, like she can't help but think about Nick from time to time, I'm sure, you know, and Nick's still in Gilead and in potential danger of his, you know, backroom dealings ever become exposed. So I think there's, you know, there's still some worry there about that.
0: Yeah. And remember back, I mean, Winslow's dead now and Fred's in Canada, but there was that whole conversation they had that never got really played out about maybe getting the refugees back. Like there was a plan they had that they just hinted at and then it didn't play out. Because Winslow copped it at um, Jezebel's, but the the machinations and the planning that goes on in Gilead to maybe the bigger picture to get everyone who has managed to get out back with some sort of political um, manoeuvring with Canada. Mm-hmm. So I wonder when when we whenever we do get another Gilead episode, whether that circle of power kind of starts to entertain those things, like you say, Nat, with trying to get June back and Nicole, and you know that could extend right to Moira, Emily, everyone. But um, well, look. Anywho- uh- Commander, Commander <laughs> Lawrence has made a promise to Lydia that uh, yeah. he will hand
1: June back to her and she's got a lot of dirt yeah. on Lawrence. So, uh, you know, his, his tact might change in coming episodes.
2: Mm. I just yeah. wanted to
1: make one more observation about the reunion scene. I appreciated mm. how it was so centred on June throughout that interaction where she yeah. was reunited with Luke to the point where there was that circle window in the boat making like a halo behind her head or she was um, talking to Luke. And then when they leave the boat and are walking along the outside of the boat to step out onto the port, Luke's a few steps ahead of her and you can't even see his face. And then as she's walking down the ramp, he kind of steps to the side and steps off camera. And it it just, it's all about her exiting the boat with this sort of presence of Luke to the side, but they're not together. And he's always just a few steps to the side of her and I thought that was quite marked
2: but also with the crane shot when it came down to June's face and we see June look up behind her she's perfectly framed between you know half the screen is the red of the boat the handmaid's red and the other half is the bluey teal of the lake behind her like this is her past you know (gasps) right behind her yeah it was pretty amazing it's beautiful I didn't notice that yeah I thought that was really well done yeah
0: yeah I I too love that it's not about Luke in that scene, yeah, like he—he's been through his whole journey, but um, no. And you know, we say Team Luke, Team Nick, etc. Of yeah. course, the Team June, Team Mayday, all of that, <laughs> don't we? It's <laughs> we need something. In, we're <laughs> we're teary-eyed and puffy-faced, so yeah, don't we get it? Don't <laughs>
2: mm, don't at <add>
0: us. <laughs> um oof, okay, where do you go after this? She's on dry land. I do love the the Zoom, the close-up shot. That's kind of the first of one face. we've had this season maybe, I think. Yeah, that yeah. classic mm. Zoom shot that all episodes mm-hmm. used to end with. They've mm-hmm. held on to that and they've done it now that she takes that um, <laughs> tentative but uh, eventual step onto, onto dry land. I'm glad they've used
2: that sparingly this year. <laughs> yes, me too. <laughs> it's more powerful
3: now. Yes.
0: And... Th- yeah, yeah, yeah. It became a bit of a bit of a joke. But yeah, no, they they held onto it and it, it's more powerful yeah, for agree, it. I agree
3: because they like they could have done a cop out and just had her feet, you know, stepping onto Canadian land. But I kinda like that we got the return of the June zoom for that moment. It did <laughs> it did finally mm-hmm. feel like it wasn't out of place and that it was appropriate. It's also um to look ahead and think how does she cope now? It's funny because we've actually seen over the previous seasons. A few people arrive arrive from Gilead to Canada and so they've all had different journeys and so we've already seen a variety. So, of course, June's is going to be different. So, I'm curious to find out how it is different. So, I think the most recent one we saw was Emily who had that very dramatic arrival over that treacherous body of water carrying baby Nicole and she didn't get that 10 hours processing Mm. time you know she (laughs) was she just went from one traumatic place to the next and you could see that she was sort of grappling with the sort of normality of life and getting her eyes checked you know and Luke and, and Moira were sort of like they were sort of depressed on the couch for a while. <laughs> Remember that. Um, so mm-hmm. we've seen different iterations of how people cope and survive once they are finally out of Gilead. So now it's June's turn, and we'll, we will see a different version of this. So um, that's
2: a really good point. Because will she be as clear-eyed, focused on her mission that she's as she's always been in Gilead? You know, she's always the one that's got a laser focus on what she has to do. <laughs> will that continue in Canada? Can she sustain that? Probably not. She'll
0: also have the focus of all mm. attention. I mean, this is the architect of the angel's flight. Much as Moira says, no one's expecting a superhero. I think some yeah. people might be. <laughs> like, you know, I, I think she's been built up, as we've talked about in the pr- previous episodes. Yeah, she's got that weight of pressure that she's well aware of, but also doesn't quite know how to conceive it. So there's there's elements of that. But to what extent that her team can protect her, Moira especially. And she'll have her voice back. She'll
1: have her words. You know, she can. Yeah. she has a platform and can... Can speak out now that she's in Canada so it'll be amazing mm. to hear what she says what she can say yeah. against Serena and Fred oh my god oh I'm looking forward to the coming episodes same I hope there's I hope uh-huh. there's like uh, yeah. a, a another June Serena showdown there must be there yes! must be yeah. can't
2: wait for that <laughs> yeah because the power be. of the tables will have been turned
0: Yes. And it has been a while since we've had a Fred and Serena episode. It's going back a few now.
2: Bring it on, please.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there's going to be a good, there's going to be a good Emily and
1: June reunion as well. I
2: mean, I'm looking forward to the reunion of June with her daughter, Nicole. Like how long has it been since she held her? That's the one that I can't wait to see her in her arms. Like that'll kill me. 'Cause that was I think yeah. that's one of my
3: favorite episodes of the whole show overall was the um the episode where she gave birth to um, mm. Nicole. Oh. That was that was so intense. That was amazing. Yeah, it was. Yeah. So yeah. there's only a few episodes left and they really, I thought, sort of like slowed down the pace so that June could sort of process um traveling from one place to the other. So is the next episode all action, or is it going to be another sort of um, grappling with motherhood and grappling with Nicole and their beautiful reunion? So, yeah, I wonder. I wonder. There are so many reunions to happen. So, how are they going to handle it? As if I have a clue. No idea. <laughs> <laughs> we could speculate till the cows come home.
0: Um, well, look, thank you for listening. We hope that helped. I know it helped me. We're off to make industrial strength mimosas with <laughs> June and Moira. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would very much like to thank my co-hosts Haiti Island, Sana Kadar and Natalie Hambley. And thank you for listening. We love that you choose to watch this series along with us, and we love to know what you think. And can't wait to know what you think of this episode. So do reach out on Twitter. Uh, you can find me at anything but Fifi. Haiti where can at we find Haiti you? Island.
3: Natalie. At Natalie Hambley. And
0: Sana. Where at where Sana you? underscore Kadar. And do use the hashtag Eyes on Gilead so uh, we can find your great
3: tweets. Speaking of which, who's got a My favourite tweet type that we get is, I love listening to your show. I feel like I'm having a conversation with my friends and I also frequently talk back. And I think that's so fantastic. And I had to listen back to one of our episodes and I also started talking back.
2: Oh, really? (laughs) (laughs) I'm always surprised when people
3: write that. I'm like, really? (laughs) But right, it's a thing. People have had some really great Theories or speculation about what could possibly happen. I think my personal favourite is that um, Serena's going to be sent back to Gilead and be turned into a handmaid. <laughs> um, oh,
2: Serena is
3: yes. Oh yes, yeah, because <laughs> now that because now that Serena's pregnant and she can have a baby, um, that uh, that her that her punishment and just desserts will be um, being sent back to Gilead. Wow. And yeah, because because she... she... No, we we and don't was, want anyone yeah, to be and I'm handmade. like that had not occurred to me at all. And I entertained that one for five minutes, And thought that no, never going to happen.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. that's dark. <laughs> <laughs> it's
2: really dark. Um, uh, there was one tweet that I thought was um, pretty funny. It's from Dan Scott saying, Lawrence is such a politician to Lydia. Let's make Gilead right again. Lee Sales would have picked him right up on that, which is true. She probably would have. And what a very politician-y, crappy thing to say.
0: Yeah, they, they do write him with lines that are very... Um Aligned with the previous occupant of the White House, don't they? <laughs> yes.
3: Um, of course. The thing that lit up Twitter last week was Janine. Like she was actually yeah. trending. Like her <laughs> name was trending. Um, and we didn't find out in this in this episode an update on Janine. Um, and and I did go back to see whether I could see her in the rubble or in the in the hazy distance. And there was a woman being saved, but she was wearing a different color mm. jacket. So unfortunately, oh. that is not Janine. Um, yeah, and so this is where this is where I grapple with the concept of prestige TV again. Part of me really wants a happy ending for her, you know. I really want her to get to Canada. I wanted to have as many babies as she as she wants to have, and I want her to live happily ever after. I don't think this show works like that. <laughs> Look, um, a popular show is always going to cop criticism, you know. Um, and in previous years, it has been for the many torture scenes and I think this year the main criticism has been whether it's believable or not, Is all the various plot holes you know, were they actually strong enough to get out of the milk should they have gone to that tanker in the first place, you know all the, all the sorts of crazy decisions that don't quite make sense. So I really want Janine to live but if she does live, is that just so implausible, like that the show can't even entertain it? <laughs>
0: um, yeah, I, I don't think we'll know and I think that's true to life like I yeah. think that's realistic you know it's a war zone yeah sometimes you just don't know what's happened to people yeah.
2: and that's sad oh gosh but I, think I assumed
3: it's... I was gonna get closure <laughs> I, I had not thought of the third <laughs> option
2: oh okay we never know yeah I, I kind of feel like that might be the case too which leaves I, I'm not entirely convinced she's dead I but I don't know mm. and I'm, I'm sort of living with that's probably where I'll have to leave it I don't know and I won't know hmm yeah and we just have to accept that
1: <laughs> they they have they have <laughs> killed off you know a fair few handmaids now and there's there's not that many characters left in Gilead so it it would be nice to to see her survive in some form so I I hold some hope after reacting last week immediately by assuming she must be dead I think now mm. after reading everybody's Twitter comments I'm holding some hope that she might that she might come
0: back we're willing her <laughs> back like I said I feel the same way about June's mum. <laughs> like, you know, she was off in the colonies years ago, but I still held out faint hope because mm-hmm. I don't know for sure maybe there's going to be an amazing reunion. Um, like I say, like are we just conditioned from TV shows where we're used to <laughs> getting happy endings and closure? Because, yeah, this, this is not that kind of show mm-hmm. and we might be kidding ourselves. To think <laughs> happy days! So, yeah, keep that conversation coming and use the hashtag Eyes on Gilead on Twitter. And while we have you, why not leave some feedback and give us a rating on the podcast app you're listening to us on. It helps other people to find the show. So we will be back to recap Episode 7 when it drops. Uh, And new episodes of The Handmaid's Tale Season 4 premiere every Wednesday on SBS On Demand and Thursday on SBS. And if you're watching on television, they premiere at 9.30 p.m. And if you speak other languages or know someone who does, SBS On Demand is also subtitling the series in simplified Chinese and in Arabic. If you're after some more Handmaid's coverage, head to SBS Guide, and we've also got some recommendations for other things you can watch as you await the next episode. Eyes on Gilead is produced by me, Fiona Williams, and edited and mixed by Jeremy Wilmot. Until next time, don't let the bastards grind you down.
3: June, mimosas do not pour themselves, June.